I'm James Bachelor of GamesIndustry.biz and you are listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I am joined by composer Dean Anzer. Welcome on the show. Thank you so much. It's great um, to be part of it. I've heard a lot about the show and, uh, you know, I mean, I feel really honored to be part of it. Thank you. And we're here at Nordic Game Conference where um, you're going to be doing a talk tomorrow, I believe, about um, the you know, original composing of uh, Fallout 4. You've can, you know, composed so many uh, soundtracks, you know, Dragon Age Origins, Fallout 3, Fallout 4, others. And any particular favorites you kind of want to throw in there? Well, you know, I actually um, would like to tap into um, the secret realm of Siberia. Although the game itself um, is definitely not as big as um, the other games mm. uh, I was involved, but the actual uh, soundtrack, I think, um, came out very interesting. Um, there are also games like Prince of Persia's series that yes, um, I think um, the reason why I'm speaking about these games is these are the games that people don't really know that I was involved in you know um, Crisis is also a game that you know I compose the music and it's a total different genre but overall and I cannot say that this is my favorite but Probably the Fallout uh, series is um, one of the most challenging one mm. because we are basically talking about creating not only the music from scratch but also the means for the music from scratch. Mm. The reason is we're talking about post-apocalyptic game um, and in order to match this environment um, I had to sort of like go back and assume that there is no musical instruments there yeah and there's basically nothing it's desolated um, world so I created my musical realm or, or musical you know um, soundscape from many instruments that I myself invented um, oh, wow okay so like what did you invent for Fallout well I mean for example, the uh, Fallout 4 is basically um, based on a destroyed, untuned piano sound. Uh, my percussions are basically a lot of my garden chairs, and I'm using also some plastic oil jugs uh, to create the, the percussions. Nothing almost in Fallout 4, except of maybe some of the main theme that I've um, recorded some um, strings, mm. but most of the in-game music is made by seventy to eighty percent instruments that are all made up. Wow! And I basically did a lot of sampling um, and used some. There is a company called Umlaut that uh, took a lot of my sampling and basically looped them and created percussive loops mm. but they're all from me hammering a destroyed piano uh, ripping up guitars um, kicking chairs um, and doing all stuff and this basically is what creates the soundscape the musical soundscape for Fallout yeah it's gonna be a lot cheaper than hiring an orchestra as well so. well I'm not sure the time we put on it <laughs> you know is definitely a lot of time consuming to get to really what I wanted, 
Um, but and also the you know the thought and the thinking that we we've been doing together mm. how to create this sort of like realm of music uh, this is definitely something that I uh, spent a lot of time now I have to ask were you, always, were you ever worried that that was going to be overshadowed because you put a lot of work into that smashing up guitars and buying oil jugs and so forth like, and making these instruments but whenever you talk to people about the, the music of Fallout people tend to talk about the 40s and 50s music that they've kind of brought back to kind of juxtapose against this post-apocalyptic wasteland. Which is the the other half yeah. of the score. Yeah, exactly. A bit like, and, and a lot of people I know tend to have that radio on. Because obviously your, your score, your soundtrack, doesn't appear unless people have got their radio turned off in-game. That's true. Um, and certainly I have to say, like, Fallout 3... I listen to nothing but Galaxy FM and all that right. like when, when I'm wandering around the wasteland. <laughs> but with Fallout 4, um, I did actually end up listening to your score more often because it was a lot more atmospheric. But you know, is there one worry that, that a lot of players listen to the kind of the old the old music rather than your score? Like, oh so, no, 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 no. Um, I've been again doing a lot of, and you got to understand the whole fall development. We're talking about each game about six or seven years. Hmm you know, game in development. Yes. So, and I usually have been brought to the um, table about three years prior to the game out. Mm. So I have a lot of time to compose and to do a lot of thinking. Not maybe one time I was um, uh, either myself or Mark Lampert, who is the main audio director in Bethesda, um, the last 12 years, uh, we were not concerned at all. The game is so vast. The game, is, it's basically huge. Uh, there are battles, and when you're fighting the battle, you know, you naturally will turn to the score because it's driving you. Um, and I never actually heard anybody basically uh, talking about, oh, I totally missed the uh, you know the the score because automatically when you turn off the radio it it's defaulting to the soundtrack mm. and many people after playing hours of Fallout will have a lot of opportunity to hear you know the you know the the Fallout soundtrack so this is one thing the second thing is I actually almost prefer that people will listen more to the radio because in key moment when things get serious and you could hear the the actual soundtrack this will make way more impact rather than you will hear the music all the time for hours and hours and hours so there are a lot of advantages actually to this duality between the the background music and the radio music which I'm actually pretty happy with were you involved at all in um, how the actual the music was actually implemented within the game in terms of uh, its interactivity with what the player is doing so like I said like um, if a battle comes out like how that music rises how that music comes in I seem to recall again like playing Fallout 4 without the radio I seem to recall that whenever I, I stumbled upon something new or came into a new town 
conveniently the music then kind of swelled to kind of make it feel like yeah I have actually discovered something here were you involved in that process well I definitely suggested thing but I must give it to Mark Mark Lampert is is not short of a genius um, and there is a reason why he's behind basically all of the sound design you know in most of the fallout since fallout 3 um, um, and um, Skyrim and and other games um, because he really understands um, the whole dynamics you know between the music and what's going on especially in open world games um, we have a very special relationship of trust and he trusts me to create the music even if I'm going for like out there kind of a thing he still trusts me and I trust him 100% that he will do the right move when it comes to the interactivity and the interaction of the music so basically I never had to really suggest too much was like oh you know this cue maybe we should put it there no actually he will tell me let's create a bunch of cues and each one is a little different but think this way or think that way and the whole description is very general he never gets into details now we are in here and we need to move to here and our mission is there no we're talking about emotions we're talking about being afraid we're talking about determination to, to be defiant any kind of more um, general feelings and then I'm writing to it and he takes the music and basically has the f like I have the freedom to write almost whatever I want and he has the freedom to take my music and put it almost wherever he wants so in this kind of and this is why I think the world of Fallout feels always so fresh because you could hear music in a different situation that will be not exactly what you've expected you know to hear and I just have to give it to him as far as you know this location um, okay, backtracking a bit then. Um, how did you first get into composing for video games? Because you, you work on a number of things. You work on t TV and films as well. So how did you get into to the video game side of things? I was never a gamer. Um, I didn't know anything about video games. I, But I was also never... I mean, I am a trained classical composer, first and foremost. Um, and when I came to the United States... My ambition was to become a jazz musician. Because <laughs> I love jazz. Why not? Exactly. And obviously I wasn't good enough to cut this, but I really loved it. And it was my dream. And I went to school, but I started to find my passion um, during the year that I took for composing. Then I understood that the media has this dramatic pan to it that is so great when it comes to composition. It's like, alright, let's see how I could contribute to this. Things led to another and I found myself as a staff composer writing 
TV episodic for Power Rangers, Beetleborgs, um, State of Grace, Mystic Knights of Tiernanog, Escaflona, Digimon, you name it, I did it, okay? It was kind of cool. Wasn't exactly what I've imagined I'm going to do, but it paid my rent. Yeah, and um, and I was in a really creative environment. It was cool, but then in 1997, I got a phone call for someone who later basically will change the whole course of my life. And this voice told me, like, would you like to compose music for video games? And I answered this voice, no, and hung up the phone. <laughs> Um, but I was really fortunate that this voice was really stubborn dude and he kept on calling me his name is Bob Rice and Bob is basically the agent for composers for music for video games he uh, retired happily three years ago but he has about 25 years of basically taking composers and you know making them basically you know have a meet companies and basically put together composers and companies to do um, video game scores and he told me like you know what do you like to do and I said I like orchestras I said well we have orchestras in video games like nah it's just like <laughs> beep beep boop boop right and I said no and he started playing me some scores from Star Trek games and stuff that were recorded. And it's like, wow, it's kind of cool. And it's like, well, would you like to try? And I said, sure. So my first game was uh, Star Trek Klingon Academy. Oh, yes. And um, it was exactly 20 years um, ago. Okay, wow. I'm celebrating. 20 years of composing for games nice. this year and I must say that since I've composed the first game I never looked back uh, it became a passion of me um, the community is great very supportive but open um, very always trying to think outside the box always encouraging creativity and never really doing pigeonholing. Um, and I just feel so fortunate to be part of the community. Mm. So, I mean, what, what is it about the actual process of writing music for games that you prefer versus TV and film? I mean, like, is there certain uh, creative freedoms you get? Are there, are there challenges that you quite enjoy? One thing that most games don't have that most movies have is what we call temp truck. Games are not being tempted. They're, in fact, 90% of the games that I'm starting to work really don't really have any idea how they want their music to sound like. Hmm. And the reason is that in most games, composer is being brought really early in the process. And the, the idea of what the music should do and how the music will sound is actually developing alongside with the game itself. And many times, instead of me looking at the games and trying to get inspired, which happens, of course, 
I'm writing music to basically notes and some scripted ideas and then the artists are listening to the music and they get inspired by the music that I'm writing. Hmm. So it's basically a self-feeding um, process. Yeah. Um, so this process usually doesn't happen in movies or TV first because that the schedule is very very tight yeah you need to compose you when you're co composing music for movies which I did numerous times um, you know I did pretty big uh, landscape movies just two years ago with John Cusick and Ryan Felipe called Reclaim and basically you're being brought to the film when it's already done and locked and you have like between maybe a month three weeks or a month and a half at the most to, to do it and most of the movies are already tempt with somebody else's music and most likely the producers editors are already kind of like hooked to yeah. this music so you know it's it's harder to be very very creative in this kind of environment although I must say that in many cases not many cases but some cases uh, like what Johan Johansson is doing for movies like Arrival or Sicario or not talking about you know John Williams of course but being tempted with you know with probably they tempt the music with his music so you know but still I feel that in video games there is way more um, f um, creative freedom uh, which I love um, the one of the other elements um, in music for video games that is definitely different than music for movies is that in the movies you're locked to a picture so you're just writing a cue based on the picture in video games you create a cue period so you write sort of like the old style um, you create an introduction, you're presenting maybe a theme, then you develop it, and then you're doing like a proper ending. So it's almost like, you know, the way composers use to write music. Yeah. Music for music, not music for... For a picture, yeah. For a picture. Yeah. And it's quite amazing because it just gets you going and you get really enough time to develop the idea and to bring all what you like in music to create it so you know it's interesting you bring up um temp music because i i am a bit of a soundtrack nerd that's pretty much all i listen to um, i don't tend to listen to much in terms of pop and stuff I, I listen to soundtracks it's a nice kind of ambience while i'm working or while i'm driving it's what i like and um, and yeah, I've been watching a few videos about temp tracking, and, and particularly with, I think it's the Marvel movies a lot of people have been concentrating on. The, the, the scores are often really forgettable um, because they're, they, they, like you say, they, they've temp tracked it based on someone else's soundtrack from another film. But I don't blame the composers no. for that. Oh no, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's the, the process and the scheduling. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But the, the casualty is then that we don't have like, I mean, okay, so looking at the Marvel films, for example, the Avengers have a theme, but not none of the individual heroes do. Whereas video games, the vast majority of video game icons and video game series have their own theme. Fallout, you know, it's like yeah, the theme is the it's like it's great, like that's just that really atmospheric. Like on the the menu of, of Fallout Four, you hear that on your busted piano. It's like right, 
I'm in a Fallout game instantly it sets that mood um, but I mean are video games though in danger of, of moving away from that because a lot of video games are starting to I and mean, I have been for years trying to go for these very kind of Hollywood-esque schools. I, I say this because, and I'm nearly done with my rant and my tangent, I promise. Um, I say this because like, we've gone from a place where it used to be that video games had these really catchy, repetitive melodies. I'm talking back in the 8-bit, 16-bit, back when we were, beatbox boops, etc. Because you needed something that kind of kept people hooked. Now the music is kind of in the background, um, kind of enhancing what's going on screen. But... Does that mean that, that game soundtracks are in danger of falling into the trap of Hollywood in becoming forgettable? This is really a great question because it really sort of like encapsulating our fear and our basically, you know, sort of like doom feelings of the future of video games. I don't want to sound too, you know, critical on this world, but since you brought it up, <laughs> um, the question to this very long question, I mean, the answer to this very long question is yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a problem. However there is definitely lots of silver lining mm. and it's not even a dark tunnel there are game studios that really went Hollywood mm. and they sort of like followed this path mm. um, and they've hired also Hollywood composers yeah but they've I my fear is the reason why they've hired these Hollywood composers is not because who like how great they are but only that they will bring this Hollywood mm. feel of this forgetfulness you know type scores that basically just pumped energy but when the movie or the game is done you don't for, you don't remember anything, and there is no signature sound. No, it's also going to be like you know, because it's just having a big name, isn't it? It's like it's hey, look, Hans Zimmer's you know scoring our game. That you said didn't come from me. No, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it does. But yes, like, yeah. obviously, obviously, yeah. you know, there is definitely Hollywoodish trend for the last ten years mm. in games. There is nothing we could do about it because video game industry like you know the other media industry you know wants to do to make money mm. and they see Hollywood and they really want to follow but fortunately my feeling is in the last two years or so things start to reverse back mm. um, and there are many reasons, but the rise of indie games, yes, of course, definitely is a huge contributor. A, B, the rise of indie films, mm. you know, are also big con because they understand that oh, now indie films are winning Oscars and stuff. Maybe we need to go back <laughs> to the drawing board and think about like, okay, how do we also create something that is is noticeable, is memorable, and is meaningful. Mm. 
And as a composer, really one of the main, there are two main, I think, objectives for me as a composer, and that's going a little deeper than the usual. The first one is to be able to connect with my audience mm. and to connect on all levels, but more than anything on the emotional level. And so that means that I cannot create something that is forgettable. Mm. It is true, and this is also my philosophy, that in video games, you don't need to hear the music, you need to feel the music. And when you're playing the video games, you don't really need to notice the music, but the music sort of like needs to be part of the whole, you know, um, um, experience on the emotional level. But that doesn't say that you should not create something that will connect. And the only way to connect is to be memorable. And also, you, you need to hit the, I mean, to hit the emotional element in a way that will basically resonate with the audience. All these are taking more heavy thinking, taking more inspiration, and taking more time. And we are, I'm not ready to let this sort of like not principles, but objectives of mine go. Mm. And people that are working with me understand it. And it's not about, hey, I'm the composer, I am an artist. No, it's about what, is, what I can give to your project. Mm. And how can I support in a meaningful way your project and not just being a background music. And not just being a background music doesn't mean that every time you're playing you first hear the music. No, it's not about that. It's about how can I basically be, become such a f fundamental part of the whole experience mm -hmm. that you will feel the da-da-da. You're not going to hear it. It's going to become part of the whole thing. But then when you go out and suddenly you will hear the music, it'll bring you back to the game. So this basically undeniable connection between the music and the game is definitely a form of art. It's an art form. And if you're basically thinking more of the Hollywood way of like, all right, well, you know, we'll just pump some energy and stuff and create something because this is what Hollywood do, then we're missing you know, the deeper principle of what games are, you know? And Bob Rice always, you know, used to say, you know, in, 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 in the difference between movies and TV and video games is like when you watch movie or TV, you're basically leaning back <laughs> and watching the movie. Yeah. When you're playing games, you're leaning forward and playing. That's also some of the reasons, you know, why music for games, you know, is like, and, and, and other music, you just, instead of leaning back, music for games needs to make you lean forward, you know, in anticipation and, and listen to it.
and be a proactive part of the whole experience. And it's a huge difference. So you cannot adopt the Hollywood grasp and the Hollywood basically um, uh, way mm. to video games. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So that's why your question is so smart and so, I mean, you know, deep because you really nailed, you know, what few of the problems, mm. you know, that we, we have right now. Um, do you think video game music is getting a bit more um, mainstream acceptance or, or awareness? I ask I asked this because yeah, pretty much every game, you know, Fallout and all the big games, their soundtracks come out on CD. People can buy the albums. And um, I don't know if you, you're aware of this, but Classic FM in the UK. Has I actually... am aware of it. Okay, yeah. Yes, Classic it... FM is a great venue for me. Yeah. And, and I love, you know, them for their... their openness yeah because other places when they come go classical classical is Beethoven and Mozart and Brahms mm. but for them although they are the biggest venue for you know um, music in the classical music in the world they embrace scores for video games well yeah and I applaud them for that this is what I meant like, um, classical them have actually started doing a, a video game music show with um, I know I've, yes. yeah. I've, I've been part of it many times oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know I mean, they played my music from Fallout they played my music from uh, Fantasia yeah. uh, Disney Fantasia they played my music for Eagle, from Eagle Flight I mean they, they played a lot of my scores yeah. and again this is huge huge honor and compliment for me because that means that they've cons they're, they're basically giving the music a stage that I like to be given. Yeah. You know, music for games today, not because of the actual music, although yes, some of it is it's quite good. But I think that the main reason why music for games became such a main, you know, um, uh, uh, stream type of music outside of the gaming world is because of the actual gamers mm. the actual gamers are people with a lot of passion for music and they will listen to music regardless if they're playing games or no and since they're so passionate they will buy the soundtracks mm. I mean my soundtrack for Fallout was for two weeks in a row number two in iTunes sales Wow! you know yeah, yeah. I mean in, in, in soundtracks yeah and yes, of course, that's because of Fallout 4, but there are lots of other games as big as Fallout that the soundtrack was not as successful, and that's because of the gamers. The gamers care about it. Tommy Tallarico created Video Games Live um, 15 or 16 years ago, yeah. and he's a huge contributor to the success and the awareness of people that music for games uh, exists way beyond um, the gaming world. Um, people are going to video game concerts all over the world. People are buying soundtracks for video games. Um, the f you know, and this is, you know, again, I'm very proud to be part of the industry, but I have to credit more than anything uh, the passion of of gamers mm. that have brought us video game composers to a place that is basically beyond just gaming. Yeah. 
there are like increasingly a number of like video game consoles like you say I mean I've seen video games live it was incredible um, obviously I've, I've, the, the Zelda um, Symphony of the Goddess tours it's been going around like again and again Zelda, like, uh, uh, Final Fantasy yeah you know other this I mean yeah I, I, have you done a concert of your music or and, and if not would you could we ha- see an Inonza Greatest Hits concert we are definitely looking into it. Oh, good, excellent. Um, I cannot speak a lot about it, but mm-hmm. we are looking into creating that. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, in the last, whatever, 15 years, my music was played as part of concerts all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I am definitely um, thinking about it. There is enough material to be played in many concerts but even like only hits that we can see that people will you know recognize most of the music can be done um, and again my connection to the players or to the audience and making connection is so important for me um, so I definitely think that it's can be an interesting idea. Hmm. I'm going to ask, but I don't expect an answer. Um, can you tell us anything about what you're working on now? Well, actually, I could. Oh, good. Okay. Well, uh, well. You know, I'm working on several projects that yet to be revealed in the next few years. Hmm. But a game that I can actually talk about is an online mobile game. Okay. From Nexon. And Nexon is a Korean company, it's yeah. the biggest Korean company, in a game called Durango. Okay. And it's it's a really groundbreaking game. It's going to be presented the first time ever this coming E3. Mm-hmm. So basically you get an exclusive. Lovely, thank you. On that. <laughs> and uh, basically I am composing the music for this game in the last year and a half or two years. Mm. Um, and um, the music is extremely important because um, it is uh, sort of the, the game is such an adventure game that the music is really, really a heavy part mm. of it. It had been recorded live in um, Prague with the Prague Philharmonic. Nice. Um, and uh, I still have some more sessions to go. Uh, but I can definitely give the fans a heads up. Um, there is a soundtrack coming in the next, whatever, year or so for Durango from Nexon, which I'm extremely excited about. Are there limits then with mobile games to what you can do musically? Because obviously mobile, as advanced as smartphones are, they're still not as powerful as, as consoles and high-end PCs in terms of delivering music on top of all that gameplay. I mean, are you limited, restrained in any way? That was a notion that is being taken care of right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With 4G and later on next year, hopefully, or the next two years, the 5G, Mm. uh, we're expecting, um, you know, and, uh, you know, the newer generations of mobile devices, um, we're expecting almost as unlimited as they could um, tools and and means uh, for um, great graphic quality as well as sound quality. Mm. So I'm not worried about it at all. 
I know that the serious games are, gamers are always, if they're playing on their mobile, they're putting on headphones, and mm -hmm. usually they're really good headphones. So the mixes are basically made in the best Hollywoodian quality uh, that could be made. Um, Nexon are very, very serious to create as advanced and um, sophisticated music system mm -hmm. to go along with the game. So um, it's very exciting and I think that um, you'll find out that you know almost everything you could work on in console will work on this game. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. And like you say, like most gamers play with headphones, so there's no worry of uh, your music being ignored. Because I, I always worry that for, for composers behind mobile games, because a lot of people play the, like, on their mobile, like, a lot of people I know like play on their mobile, but then don't have headphones in and have it all on mute. Or even, and I have to say I'm guilty of this, if I'm playing a mobile game, I'll be playing it, and if I have my headphones on, I'll be listening to a podcast or something while I'm playing, so I'm missing all this music. So you, you're confident that your, your score will be heard then? Again, I'm as confident as I could be. Yeah. And obviously, um, the main reason for a player to hear the music is his or her immersion in the game. Mm. Because if they're getting really, really immersed in the game, then they will be also immersed in the music. If they're not as vested and invested in the actual game, and they want to, you know, sort of like do some other stuff on the side, then, you know, too bad. But that could also happen in a console game. So, and again, I am quite optimistic that uh, the music could definitely shine with this. And I, obviously, very busy week. We're at Nordic Game Conference, so I won't take up too much more of your time. But last kind of question then would be, um, have you got any advice for aspiring games composers? As you say, we've, we've got so many uh, indie studios you know, rising up and trying new things with music. Do you have any advice for anyone who's trying to break into games music and games composing? Of course, and I've been asked this question many times, and there are lots of first and foremost. It's a great um, venue to join. It is a great place today to try and to aspire. Um, music for games becoming more and more a mainstream and I um, really encourage encouraging you know composers to at least try to get into the industry. And I think that one of the ways to do it is, uh, for example, for students who are studying music and thinking about because this is how you start, this is how I started, um, is really identify uh, like um, department that teach, um, you know, video game development, mm -hmm. and speak to these young students and tell them hey you know so you're basically developing a little game during your studying it's like I'll do your music for free how about that and then you start to pair with these future producers you know uh, it's a great way other than this listen a lot to what's going on and write a lot <laughs> be there all the time and YouTube is a great vehicle that when I started was not even there mm, if you create something put it on YouTube make sure that you're visible 
all the time. And last thing, since the world is so huge with creations, but it's also so small and everybody really knows everybody because it became so tight with the internet, um, try to create your own niche. Try to create your own handwrite and style that you will separate you from the crowd. Mm. And basically, it's all about really try to separate yourself from the crowd. Um, and the last thing is, if you don't absolutely love composing, don't do it. Because this world, as magical and inspiring as it is, is full of day-to-day -day rejections. Mm. Um, extremely hard work, very political. Um, and if you're not really, you know, ready to battle and to compete, and if it's not coming from a straight love for a composition mm -hmm. and basically meaning that this is your life, then don't do it. But if you do, by all means, jump into it. Wonderful. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you. Hope all goes well with the, uh, the talk tomorrow. And um, enjoy the rest of the week. Of course. Thank you very much. We are hopefully going to have more from Nordic Game Park Conference for you next week. In the meantime, you can, as always, find your news analysis and industry insight at gamesindustry.biz.